Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is a podcast about graphic design as cultural production. Today on the show, I am talking to somebody who I have wanted on Scratching the Surface basically since I started it. Zach Kais is with me today. Zach is the founder and creative director of Zach Group, a London-based design studio that works with cultural and commercial clients like Nike, M+, Frank Ocean, Virgil Abloh, and Fact. Zach is a graduate of CalArts, and from 2006 to 2016, he was the art director of the Architectural Association School of Architecture, where he worked on a wide range of design and publishing projects. While at the AA, he co-curated with Mark Owens the really fascinating exhibition Forms of Inquiry, the Architecture of Critical Graphic Design in 2007, which was, I think, the first time I came across Zach's work. That show in particular had a really big influence on me and my understanding of what graphic design could be. And this, in many ways, shapes this conversation. Zach's work, while firmly rooted in graphic design, sees design as a type of cultural practice. So in this episode, Zach and I talk about how design shapes culture and how our own definitions of graphic design and culture are evolving. We talk about the Forms of Inquiry exhibition and how that influenced a generation of designers, as well as... Uh, kind of changed how we might think of critical graphic design. We also talk about what he learned while working with architects at the AA and where he sees Zach Group going next. Zach Group is a really interesting design studio and Zach's practice I think is really unique and fascinating. And so it was so nice to hear him talk about his work and the evolution of the studio. If you like this show, I hope you consider supporting it on Patreon. We offer three monthly tiers, $3 for students, $5 for patrons, and $10 for super fans. They give you access to all sorts of bonus content like a monthly newsletter, early episodes, full transcripts, and exclusive bonus interviews, all while helping to financially support this show. So if you like scratching the surface, if you want to see it continue, I hope you consider joining us on Patreon. You can visit patreon.com slash surface podcast for all the details and to sign up. Thank you, as always, for your support. And here is me with Zach Kais. For this, I watched a talk that you gave in 2019. Um, the, the 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 YouTube video was called "Good Design Is Dot Dot Dot," and your talk was um, "Think Today, Finish Tomorrow" is what what the title was, and it was sort of this like retroactive manifesto of your studio Zach Group. And the first point of that manifesto is give shape to culture, and to me that perfectly encapsulates your entire career, your entire practice. And so I'd like to start there with this idea of of design giving shape to culture. And I'm curious if you could kind of talk about what that means to you and what that means for the studio, and then also where you arrived at that idea, because that seems like a thread that's been there from the beginning in your work. If I think about the kind of trajectory of the studio, um, a lot of our early work focused on working with artists and uh, working with designers and architects. Um, I worked for a number of years in an architecture school. And there, what I found is that there were a lot of architects whose work was essentially uh, looked very much like graphic design. Um, and I was interested in finding ways to kind of borrow from those ways of working. Um, and 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 see how how graphic design could be a tool to um, kind of as we say give shape to culture. Um, 
I think that um, as a designer, we're often using other people's words and other people's images to um, kind of vi visualize or or give form to to something. Um, and for for us, design is really a practice that can give shape to culture uh, rather than. Uh, simply representing it. I think that's a really interesting difference. I just want to hear you elaborate on more of giving shape to culture versus uh, representing it. What's how do you see those as two different different acts? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I mean, I think if we if we go back to kind of where we started, which was really um, looking at uh, the the possibility of books um, mm -hmm. as a way to give give shape to culture. Um, you know, what, what I was really interested in, going back to the example I mentioned earlier of the Architectural Association, um, which yeah. is a school of architecture in, in London, um, there's like a rich tradition in architecture of architects who made kind of hypothetical and immaterial proposals. Mm -hmm. And most often those proposals took the form not of buildings, but of books. Right. And so what was super interesting for me to realize is that architects took the publication kind of as their as their site essentially right. um, and for me that was something kind of fundamentally different than simply representing something that exists out in the world back in the space of, of a book and so that kind of thinking is something that we've tried to um, apply to the way in which we approach design and and how we think about it to keep the conversation on Zach group for a second you started that right out of school right you you finished at uh, you, you got a bfa at CalArts in 2005 is that right that's right that's right and yeah then, and, and you basically started the studio immediately and it was kind of running in parallel to your time at the aa and a couple years ago, I guess like five, six years ago now, you you left the A and kind of focused solely on Zach Group. And I'm curious ab about that and kind of what you thought you could do, uh, keeping this idea of, of shaping culture in devoting all your time to the studio. What was what was sort of the thought process there and what were you kind of hoping to do with the studio at that time? Yeah, so that, that period kind of marked a transition uh, for me. The, the studio um, always worked within the realm of arts and culture. Mm -hmm. And what we started to find was, I guess, through um, you know, a, a number of experiences of, of similar types of projects that always have their kind of inbuilt, let's say, limitations or limitations in terms of scale or possibilities, um, we became very interested in, in kind of expanding our view of what culture is. So mm. in, in the beginning, we really thought of culture. I really thought of culture as, as art and architecture. Um, and of course, I realized that it's impossible to stop there. So <laughs> it, right. if you look at culture, like maybe with a lowercase c in a wider sense, um, then it becomes super interesting to think about, um, you know, culture. there is this great McLuhan quote, which is that culture is what most of the people are doing most of the time. <laughs> right. Um, so when we started to look at it through that framework, the, the possibilities kind of expanded. Um, and that was something that I was very interested to explore with, with a group of people uh, in the studio. And so that kind of marked um, my transition um, out of the Architectural Association after about 10 years. I really appreciate that answer because you perfectly kind of saw where I was taking this conversation, I think. Because what's interesting to me over the last couple of years at Zach Group is that it has expanded beyond uh, kind of the art and architecture clients that you had previously and you're working with 
Frank Ocean, you're working with Nike, you're working with, uh, you know, Virgil Abloh, you're moving between not just books, but you're doing brands and spaces and mm. really, really expanding both the scale of the projects themselves, but then also the types of, of clients. And I'm, this isn't exactly the same, but I, I had Michael Rock on the show a couple of years ago, and I talked to him about two by four who, who had a similar trajectory where they were working in a kind of more cultural space and really expanded that. And I, I talked to him about kind of maintaining that original ethos and working on bigger projects. And I'm curious how you think about that. Moving from a very narrow view of culture to a bigger view, how does your process change? And then how has it also stayed the same? It's important for us to think about how it stayed the same because that, that gives us a kind of uh, framework to imagine like into the future. So for us, <laughs> yeah. uh, for us, we've always been interested in working with people that can, that through their work guide the trajectory of contemporary mm. culture. So mm -hmm. that can be an artist or a Kunsthalle or a brand or, um, mm -hmm. you know, like a cultural figure like Frank Ocean or Virgil Abloh. Um, so we see, um, we, we look at our collaborations through that lens of, uh, kind of guiding guiding the course of contemporary culture. Um, so that's how it stayed the same. I think what has uh, changed is, again, perhaps the audiences. Um, right. So the the audience for us um, originally was was very well defined, um, pretty much entirely within the the public sector. And uh, now, of course, the audience has has kind of expanded and um, it's expanded in, because of the kind of outreach that some of our collaborators have and um, also in other ways. Like now when we think about our audience, um, I think it falls into a few different categories. I think, of course, there are there are these amazing cultural figures that are um, really mm -hmm. through their own practice uh, changing the way that we understand culture. Um, there are also uh, brands that are are. Mm -hmm. definitely contributing to culture as we kind of understand it and, and live it on a daily basis. Um, and then importantly, there's also another audience, which is people that don't yet know that they're designers. Um, <laughs> and, and that's, that's uh, an area that's really interesting for us because of course, that's like the next generation of um, kind of design, design talent. Um, yeah. and, and that's something really important to focus on. I think I'm, it's interesting that you say that too, because something I was thinking about in thinking about you and thinking about this conversation and, and especially thinking about this idea of sort of design as cultural production, I've found, this is a little bit of a blanket statement, but I found that designers, graphic designers specifically, who are interested in these ideas that you're talking about often find themselves kind of pushing up against <laughs> against the definitions of what is graphic design. I'm, I include myself in here also. And they want to move into other things. They want to move into filmmaking or writing or, yeah. I mean, podcasting in my, in my case, teaching, you know, curating, these types of things. You've done that a little bit, but you seem to really be rooted in in being a graphic designer. And, and again, I don't mean to kind of put definitions or borders around this, but it, you, you've built a studio that seems to be able to wrestle with these ideas within a framework of graphic design. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and kind of how, how you think about kind of retaining that 
that description of being a graphic designer? Sure. Brings up a few different things like how I became a graphic designer. Maybe that's another another area. But um, I mean, it, within the studio, um, we, we, we don't we don't really think about it in, in terms of is this graphic design or is this not graphic design? Um, for us, I mean, we really think about ourselves, um, it, this might sound stupid, but as, as a design office. Mm-hmm. Um, so not, not like a, an atelier, let's say, but really a, a place where kind of work is done and that work is design uh, and the exact form or nature that it takes is, um, is kind of up for consideration. And in, in a sense, I mean, the name of the studio is that group, and that refers to the kind of group of people that are, are working here, but also um, the group of people that we collaborate with. And right. more and more, we, we want to think about the, the studio as a kind of, let's say, creative infrastructure, for lack of a better word, um, mm. whose abilities can kind of be amplified through collaborations. And, you know, we're interested in joining forces with other people, um, to create something kind of bigger than than ourselves, we really don't want to be limited by um, a kind of an individual vision of a of a designer. Um, right. And so then, when it comes to graphic design, uh, more and more often we are working kind of across lanes. So we're, of course, trained mm-hmm. as graphic designers, but we're working with architects on um, kind of spatial interventions on furniture in some cases. Um, you know, so the the kind of output uh, can can really vary, but we definitely look at it through a kind of lens and, and training of graphic design. And and I that ma- that makes perfect sense to me. And I think of something like uh, when you're at the AA and, and started Bedford Press, and now you have this project Group Object, where you are very clearly coming from the position of graphic design, but actually kind of creating or working with people to put cultural objects out into the world. How do you think about that collaboration and when it's something that a client that's kind of coming to you with an idea versus something that you think should kind of go out into the world? Is there a difference between those things? I don't really believe in in kind of the separation of client projects and self-initiated projects um, because at the end of the day, you know, we decide what we want to <laughs> dedicate our our time to, and right, uh, right. so we're concerned kind of with with the outcome. So it, it doesn't necessarily matter to us where the the idea comes from, um, and you know, we can also be our own worst client. Uh, so so it, it doesn't make it any easier if it if it's self initiated. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that makes sense. You mentioned in that previous answer about. Uh, kind of how you became a designer or how you got interested in design. And I'm curious about that. I saw in, in some of my research, I saw that you had started studying art history for a bit. Um, can you talk a little bit about where your interest in design came from? Yeah, sure. I mean, my my interest from design actually came at a kind of earlier period uh, before I before I went to, to college. Um, I, I grew up in Southern California um, and we actually had some family friends that left Germany just uh, prior to the war, and they were actually involved in a kind of not a Nazi resistance. Uh, so they mm. they were, they managed to escape. Um, and these were family friends that we would see relatively regularly. 
And I remember at one point they um, were, you know, saw that I was interested in in art, and they said, "Oh, do you know um, this friend of ours who passed away some years ago, Herbert Bayer?" And he, he he actually lived in this small town in California, and of course I I, I knew nothing about Bayer. Wow, wow! Through this through this kind of weird chance encounter, um, I, I started to like see his. They gave me his books, um, <laughs> and I discovered like the Bauhaus in yeah, this kind of unleashed Southern California um, kind of landscape. And th- this was like such an interesting. Uh, and then I later discovered that there were there were works by Herbert Bayer in the town that I grew up in, um, but that I had seen many times, but never really thought about. Um, And so this kind of took me out of my kind of geography and my immediate context. And uh, I think there would have been no one better than Bayer to discover because he had such an expansive practice, which, you know, challenges many of the notions that you're, you know, mentioning earlier about what a designer is. I mean, did you, as somebody who was interested in in art and then seeing Herbert Beyer, did you see, can you talk about like why that clicked for you, I guess, or like why that suddenly seemed like something that was very interesting to you? Yeah, it clicked to me because it, Herbert Beyer had a really expansive practice that wasn't limited uh, simply by one discipline. So that kind of model seemed really interesting. And I, I, at that point, I didn't even make a distinction between graphic design or industrial right. design, et cetera. Um, right. It just, I became interested in that, in that world. I discovered the Bauhaus. In the end, what it made me want to do was study art history, um, which turned out to be a little bit of a detour on my path to becoming a designer. But I think really everybody should study art history because art history is like really, you know, the history of, of ideas and creativity. So, um, it was definitely um, it was definitely a good decision. I studied art history for a year. I immersed myself, you know, in mostly in the library, uh, looking at books, and then I started to also like realize like that these amazing books uh, actually had to have been designed by someone, and <laughs> right. and that that person was a graphic designer. And so that was then the kind of next step, which is realizing. Um, that these books are not about the graphic designers that have designed them, but they are uh, given shape um, by a graphic right. designer. And, uh, and that, that then really clicked. And then I decided, okay, I need to find a school where I can actually study this. That is such an amazing story, Zach. That's so funny. How, um, how do you think, I agree with you that, that, you know, everybody should study art history. I've thought many times that I would love to go back to school just, just to focus on art history, uh, be, because of the, the kind of just art history classes that I took in between my mm-hmm. other programs. Um, how do you think that, that one year studying art history, how did that influence how you then, when you went into graphic design, influence how you kind of approached your design studies or in kind of having that background, spending that time in that library, do you think that brought something different to your practice or your approach that you may have otherwise not have had? Well, I think the one thing that it might have changed is <clears throat> I graphic design itself wasn't the thing that kind of primarily attracted me. Mm-hmm. What I was really interested in was uh, a kind of broader creative practice and communicating this to an audience. Um, and 
kind of translating these ideas into into a, a, a form. Um, so when I came to study graphic design, um, I you know had also done other things. I had been part of like an art collective, and I, mm-hmm. I really saw graphic design as kind of like a tool or an interface, or even even kind of like a passport because it allowed you to, as a graphic designer, kind of trespass into different fields, which you probably couldn't do if you were um, if you had you know another role or or a job. That's that's one of the really exciting things about graphic design. So perhaps that changed um, that changed my outlook and and also my my interests. I think that's right, and I I love that idea of graphic design as a passport. I I can't tell you how many times these types of ideas have come up on the show, especially when I'm talking to to design writers who who say something to the effect of I I wanted to write about design because I realized that through design, I could kind of write about anything. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I feel like that's kind of how I got into graphic design is because I was just somebody who was interested in a lot of different things. And graphic design was the thing that happened to connect all of those or or touched all of those in some way. I'm curious about your time at the AA, at the Architecture Association. You were there for 10 years. And I think architecture also is another field that that is often treated like a passport to continue yeah. your metaphor. Um, and going back to the beginning of this conversation of seeing these architects who were making books and doing these kind of speculative projects. And I'm, I'm curious about what you took from that experience and what you took from kind of working with architects and seeing architects and, and sort of the architectural approach, how that had an influence on how you thought about your, your work there. When I started um, working at the AA, I was, it was still very kind of early in my practice as a graphic designer. I was like in my early twenties. and I was just keen to uh, understand kind of the possibilities of design. So the, the AA was in a way like my, my MFA, I guess. I, I really learned mm. a lot about um, design there. And, um, you know, it, it, also, it also happened through who, who I met and how I arrived there. The one thing that I think you need to understand about the Architectural Association uh, is that it's essentially a bar, like it's a Victorian house that has a bar mm. in it. Uh, and like the, the teaching is kind of peripheral. It happens in these other rooms, but it's really a kind of social space. And there I met many architects who were not, um, who were not making buildings. They were curating, they were, um, you know, creating, uh, books. Um, mm-hmm. they were, they were creating work that looked a lot like graphic design. So, um, I, I was looking at it already through that lens. Um, and w- what I, you know, then later discovered, um, my first project, uh, arriving at the AA was to make a book with an architect, David Green, um, who is a member of Archigram. Um, mm-hmm. and Archigram of course is, uh, very well known for, um, creating these Kind of wild, futuristic, hypothetical visions of the future that you know were unbuildable uh, and uh, took the form essentially of a magazine. Archigram was a magazine, mm-hmm. um, and so there I understood how uh, media and imagery could, for architects, become a kind of architectural site. And I was really interested in trying to understand how, as a graphic designer, I could um, try to borrow from this kind of conceptual toolbox um, mm-hmm. of architecture. And so there were many different projects that I, I did there that tried to um, tackle that question. Um, architecture 
by its very definition, has to work across lanes and has to kind of include a huge team of people. So um, I was very interested in finding ways to explore some of these ideas within my own practice as a graphic designer. Yeah, and one I, I'm I apologize now for ask for asking you a series of questions about a, a project that you did almost 15 years ago at this point. Um, but one of those projects, one of those ways that I think you know speaks to what you're talking about was the show and publication you. You worked on with Mark Owens, The Architecture mm. of Critical Design, which is uh, something that meant a lot to me when it came out. I was in college uh, when that came out, and I remember seeing images of it. I can't exactly remember where I came across it, but it uh, was something I just fell in love with and, and is when I first kind of discovered you and your work. And I think it's interesting to think about that project in retrospect, because I think in in preparing for this, I read a bunch of reviews <laughs> of it that seemed to misunderstand <laughs> what you were trying to do with it. Um, but can you talk about how that project came about and 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 those kind of connections that you were trying to make between architectural practice and graphic design practice in that show and in that that publication? Sure, sure. So Forms of Inquiry was... Again, kind of like my my swimming lessons um, as a as a young designer, it became um, a bigger part of my life than I had expected it, it would be. Um, but what what I was really interested in, uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, was to find ways to borrow from this kind of toolbox of architecture and uh, try to think about how because I saw architecture and design as a way of kind of processing the world around us. And, and I wanted to see if we could borrow some of these ideas of speculative proposals, of research, of paper architecture from graphic design, from, from architecture and, and bring it into the kind of field of graphic design. It was also, uh, quite honestly, um, about inventing an opportunity where it, where it did not exist. Um, mm. so, so the exhibition in itself, um, was was kind of a speculative proposal. Um, maybe that wasn't how it was interpreted, you know, when it sort of tours around the world, but uh, that's really how it started. Uh, and in this exhibition, we invited a number of graphic designers to create what we called an inquiry. So this was a kind of research into architecture, culture, or history. Uh, and we would exhibit this research. And then there was also a kind of poster or print that went along with that research. And this um, toured for several years. It, it became more successful than I had imagined. Um, and as you as you say, mentioning these reviews, it was also a kind of trial by fire. Yeah. Um, and, and you never quite forget your first trauma. But uh, <laughs> it was interesting to be like at that stage in in my in my practice and to be on this kind of international stage, I suppose, and have have positions to defend. So I really learned quite quite a lot mm. about this, um, both through kind of positive and and negative criticism from kind of industry industry figures. Um, but I think that you know that this was um, like the start of a of a trajectory that has continued in how you can how how you can kind of port ideas. You know, in in technology, there's this great concept of porting where you um, where you take something that's um, or adapt software from one environment into another, and so this was kind of an example for me of how we could port something from architecture to graphic design, 
And this is something that we're definitely still interested in exploring. I'm interested in how that has influenced the work since, but I think one of the things, one of the the kind of misinterpretations of it was this term critical design. Um, that that this was somehow related to or in response to kind of the Dun and Raby idea. And you you and Mark were kind of doing something completely different. And I'm I don't I'm not asking you to to like relitigate those critiques or to like defend yourself or anything like that, but I'm curious about that term critical design because I think that is a term in the years since and especially today has just lost all meaning at this point. Um, it is an aesthetic or it is just something that is kind of seen as as, as like trendy or as some sort of subgenre of design. And I'm curious about why that term was kind of interesting to you. And I should clarify, you you don't ever kind of call it as a thing. You don't actually say this is critical graphic or this is critical design. What can you can you just talk about that a little bit and kind of how you think about that the evolution of that term? Sure. Yeah. I mean, critical graphic design has, has become kind of almost a meme. Yeah. Um, yeah. And si- since we uh, since we worked on this exhibition, when we used the the words critical and graphic design together, what we were trying to express and what we were interested in um, are graphic designers that are trying to kind of question or reframe the conditions or circumstances surrounding graphic design. And there are a number of different ways that that has been done. Um, some of mm-hmm. some of those take on the form of self-initiated projects. Others. Um, Kind of combined design and writing as, as you yourself are doing mm-hmm. um so th- this was m- maybe more about kind of interrogating the possibilities and questioning the circumstances and expectations uh, around graphic design there is there is a, another kind of um, school of thought that uh dun and Raby, who, who we later worked with um on different projects uh are kind of um theorizing but our intention was really to um, look at how we as graphic designers can question the circumstances surrounding our work again i'm sorry to keep like bringing this up but i think that was like the piece that was lost in a lot of the those kind of kind of uh kind of early reviews but what i think is really interesting is that show really captured uh a feeling that a lot of designers were having at that time. I, I really always associate that show with dot, 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 which I think was kind of doing something similar or, and, and they were in the show, but they were kind of also kind of questioning what it meant to be a graphic designer. And I think between forms of inquiry and dot, 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 and kind of the other people who were featured in both of those, it it really had a profound influence on the next generation of designers who maybe we're not satisfied with the way graphic design had been practiced or talked about before and really opened up the field in a lot of ways. And I count myself in that and I count this show as, as something that kind of came out of that thinking. And I mean, so kind of bring this back full circle. I just have a couple questions to, to, to begin to, to wrap this up. We, we began the conversation talking about how design gives shapes to culture and how this has been a part of your you know, your work from the beginning and how over the last couple of years, the studio has really started to expand and rethink 
what culture is and can be. I'm, I'm interested in where that goes. Like what's next for you? What's next for the studio? What are the things you're excited about that you haven't maybe gotten to work in or spaces that you want to think more about? Where, where do you see all of this going next? There are a lot of areas that we're really interested in in focusing on in the future. Um, one of one of the areas um, is to uh, is to think about the studio as kind of an educational model, or mm. or to I gave a lecture a while back that you referenced earlier, uh, where we presented a kind of manifesto, and it was a bit tongue in cheek because. I don't necessarily believe in the self-assuredness <laughs> of manifestos, but um, one of the points that we uh, had there was to uh, open source ideas. Mm-hmm. And for us, that's really interesting to think about how uh, we as a design studio can try to kind of open up this black box of design in a design studio. Um, mm-hmm. With most black boxes, you kind of know what goes in and you know what comes out, but you have no idea what happens inside. Um, and I think by kind of open sourcing uh, how we work as a studio, uh, that can really level the playing field for the kind of next generation of designers. So bringing people that don't know that they're designers or young designers into the fold is something that we're really um, interested in. <clears throat> kind of related to that, uh, we recently launched a scholarship with Central St. Martin's yeah. called yeah. the Zach Group um, Future Forward Scholarship. and. This is in uh, kind of a related effort to try to expand opportunities within our industry. I think um, we're a very undiverse industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the director of a design studio, I consider it really my responsibility to address this kind of imbalance. So that's what led us to, to do the scholarship, which I'm really excited about. I think what we can, how we can be most effective is to find ways to increase the kind of funnel to design education and hopefully also design um, occupations later down the line. I love that. I, I, I agree. I think that I think the scholarship is such a great idea. And, and I wanted to come back to, to this idea of open sourcing the process as another point of that, because I think that that's, that's really important. I, I think another way that you do that is through um, your collaborations and you there was a show about your work that that you called Zach mm-hmm. Kai's working with which I thought was such a great way to show how a graphic designer works instead of just showing kind mm-hmm. of finished projects but actually bringing in the collaborators and talking about collaboration as a key to your own process how we've talked kind of around this idea of collaboration through this entire conversation what, how does collaboration fit into your process it seems like it's everything <laughs> can you talk about um about kind of the the importance of collaboration in your work yeah coll- collaboration is really the the kind of foundation of, of our work i think it's hard to work uh, without mm-hmm. being uh in in collaboration with uh with someone or something um so when, when I did that exhibition, Zach Kai is working with, what I was interested in is to present graphic design uh, as, as a collaborative practice and try to kind of unpack um, th- this idea of what a designer is. And, and for me, a designer is not a kind of creative visionary that is, is working um, autonomously, uh, mm-hmm. but is someone who is uh, taking on many different inputs, processing the world around himself or herself, and 
that that is that is not a one-way street. I mean, I think when I first probably started studying graphic design, I probably thought that design is a kind of one-way street, and I realized that it, of mm-hmm. course, is not. It's a it's a dialogue, um, and that that was the idea behind this exhibition. So it included all of the people that I, um, you know, consider as um, you know essentially part part of my work. Um, so that's something that we've always tried to um, highlight and also something that we try to be really um, direct and honest about by always crediting. Um, and it's important, I think, to, to highlight that there are, you know, design is not the product of, of an individual. It's the product of a group of people working together. Um, so that's, that's really important for us to um, kind of keep in mind this is not a question that I was thinking I was going to ask you, and I'm not even sure if it's an interesting question, Zach, to be honest. Um, and if it turns out to not be interesting, we can cut it out. But thinking about this idea of, of collaboration and thinking about kind of highlighting the collaborators and highlighting the the conversation and the dialogue, what's really interesting to me about your work is, yes, that collaboration, but also how visible the studio is that a lot of your projects are are kind of presented as collaborations so it's not just you know for example the 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 nike virgil abloh book is just like this is a nike virgil abloh book but that that zach group is a part of that you know that that you that it is not the invisible designer but the designer is part of a larger creative team how do you think about that about being a visible part of it that that the design of the artifact itself is as important or 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 is equally interesting as the content or in dialogue with the content does that make do you know what i'm trying to say sure i i i think what you're getting at is that as as designers uh we are not simply kind of relaying a message but uh or, or or representing the, the kind of work that someone else is creating, but that we're also, you know, creating a kind of a cultural object in our own right, and that we that we bring a lot to the table in that in that process. Um, of course, it takes on, you know, we, we definitely modulate that. There are some times where, right. you know, we simply um, help an artist realize something, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and we're definitely happy to to work in that way. Um, and there are other times in which, you know, we work more as a kind of thought partner and right. help develop ideas. And sometimes those result in a, a kind of um, graphic design project or a designed object. Um, and in some cases, it simply um, is, is part of a kind of wider uh, research or um, kind of feeds into creative direction. So. Um, yeah, I would I would say that like th- thinking about ourselves as um, as a kind of potential partner that can work both in a really thoughtful way, but also a really immediate way is is important. Um, and by immediate, I mean that um, we can kind of like think and do. There's this great quote by Martin Kippenberger. Um, which is think today, finish tomorrow. And this has always been the kind of uh, unofficial studio mantra, which is that, you know, you can spend a day thinking and then a day doing. 
um, and, yeah. and you know, there's like no bullshit. And this is really, the, yeah. you know, our kind of um, ultimate uh, ultimate goal. In a weird way, that brings this conversation full circle and kind of goes back to to everything that we were talking about. And so I'll end with the the question that I used to end all of these interviews. I'm curious what you're reading right now. What am I reading? Um, I just um, finished a few books that I've been working on for a long time. Uh, mm. One is the the Robert Moses's Power Broker. Oh, great! <laughs> I love that book. Which which is one of the books that's been on my nightstand for a long time. Um, yeah, I was also like on a on a biographical um, trip recently. There is a new Warhol biography that came out. Yeah. Um, that. Uh, has, has was really fantastic um and you know and and this is maybe like a less interesting example but also the news um <laughs> i mean i think this past year has has been you know we can't really have a conversation without kind of yeah. talking about what has happened in the past year i think we've like realized the extent to which um you know kind of socially we are divided um and uh and how kind of unequal the world is and that has been something that i think one can't escape this year and this this past year was reading all of that and really following the news uh really made us kind of pause and kind of reassess so that that would be um kind of another thing that i've been reading Zach, I, as I said at the beginning, I'm a longtime fan of your work and the studio's work and how you approach design and how you think about graphic design. And it was so nice to talk to you about these things and how you think about them and, and, and your process. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me on the podcast. This episode was recorded on May 21st, 2021. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can support the show on Patreon and find previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.